Hello and welcome on to another episode of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. And I owe everybody an apology for the massive hiatus since the last episode. Uh, after the episode with Tom Westerholm uh, of Mass Live, I took a massive, massive hiatus due to a number of different reasons, uh, whether it be work, whether it be me trying to get healthier and, you know, making some of my own meals, going to the gym. Uh, I have had a couple injuries that have held me out um, and all these other excuses that you don't want to hear about. But the fact of the matter is, is that it has allowed me to be off uh, for almost two, maybe a little over two months now, but it's time to get back. The regular season is just about a week away. And so I thought we got to dive back into this podcast and uh, get you, everybody the NBA content that you need and you deserve. So today we are back with a podcast and this one's kind of low-hanging fruit. We're going to do the top 10 players in the NBA. Actually, it's going to be top 11 because everyone always wants to know, well, who's 11 if you have top 10? Well, okay, so we did 11. So the way I did this is I set some criteria based on what I'm ranking these players based on. Because without any criteria, you could say, well, is it the best player uh, for their whole career? Is it their best player in the regular season? Best player in the playoffs? What is the criteria? Is it who wins MVP? Is it MVP voting? What, what, how do you determine who the best player in the NBA is? Well, I don't think there's one right answer to that question. But I'm going to set some criteria on what I believe uh, is the best way to judge the best 10 players in the NBA. And here it is. So I've ranked these players based on who would I want to have during the 2019, 2020 campaign for the regular season and playoffs. If my goal is to win a championship. So this is not who am I, who I'm building around for the future or any of that stuff. This is for this upcoming season, the 2019, 2020 season, who would I want for the regular season in the playoffs if my goal is to win a championship. So the way I do that is through a number of factors. Your total offense, so that includes your scoring, your playmaking, your rebounding. Are you an off-ball threat? What about, What's your crunch time offense look like? Are you clutch? And that includes total defense as well. So on the ball, off the ball, your effort, your awareness, all these things are included. Also, your ability in the playoffs your ability to perform in the playoffs, I should say, weighs more than your ability to perform in the regular season. And that's because the playoffs is where legends are made. That's where things matter. Your ability to perform in the playoffs is what ultimately matters. If you can get it done in the regular season, that's great. But if you can't get it done in the playoffs, well, then that's going to lower your ranking in my greatest players uh, in the NBA or top 10 players in the NBA going into the season. So most, of, so almost all of these guys can lead a team to the playoffs. In fact, all these guys can lead their team to the playoffs. But what you do in the playoffs is what matters. Uh, injuries also play a part in this. Uh, the best, the best ability is availability. So Kevin Durant is not going to be on this list, and I will say at the end of the podcast where I would put him if he was healthy. But for this upcoming season, 2019-2020. Kevin Durant is not on the list only, and I can't stress this enough, only because he will not be playing during the season. Had Kevin Durant been playing during the season, he would be very high on the list. But the reality is, is he's not. So 
We'll get to Katie a little bit later. So we've established the criteria. We've got 11 guys. Let's get to the list, starting with number 11, and that is Kyrie Irving. So Kyrie has been one of the top point guards in the NBA for some time now. Uh, I think he's top three. His ball handling ability is second to none. We know this, and thus his ability to create shots for himself is among the best in the league. Uh, offensively, he can play without the ball. We've seen that with through his ability to play with LeBron. He is a great catch-and-shoot player and also uses things like backdoor cuts to get himself open when necessary off the ball. Uh, we also know his ability to be a closer in crunch time. We've seen that 2016 uh, playoff series in the finals against Golden State. Uh, he is among the best in the NBA. Uh, as it pertains to closing and crunch time offense. Uh, defensively, he has been much better in his, uh, as his career has gone on. Uh, he is open to taking the challenge on the ball and has been a little bit less spacey off the ball. But his 6'2 frame and his lack of physicality just kind of prevents him from being anything more uh, than pretty much average at best, I, I would say. And I think he's just a little bit below average as it currently stands. Also, he has question marks as a leader. And that's another thing I should have mentioned in the criteria is intangibles matter. Can you galvanize your troops? Are you a leader of men? Can you be the guy that your team turns to when times get tough? That matters. And in this case, that's going to hurt Kyrie um, because he does have questions as a leader. We saw him go long periods without talking to his teammates in Cleveland and his leadership in Boston was also a question mark. So... Uh, Kyrie, also not the most healthy guy. We talked about health being a factor in this. If you're not available, that's going to hurt you. Kyrie, not the most healthy guy. Uh, and he's had his share of injuries. His health has always been a question mark throughout the regular season and at times in the playoffs. So, number 11 is Kyrie Irving. And we're not going to go through all the stats with these guys. You guys can go look it up on NBA.com. You'll see the true shooting and the usage and the games and the minutes and the points per game. In the end, you're going to find stats to support the argument of the player that you want to anyway. So I will just let you guys, uh, you guys and gals go ahead and look for all the stats, but I'm just going to provide the description of why I think uh, these guys are the best players and you can find the stats to either disagree with me or agree with me. Obviously this list is very subjective and not objective uh, by any means, but it is my opinion. All right. Number 10, number 10 is Nikola Jokic. Uh, Jokic has skyrocketed up the NBA uh, NBA rankings in recent years and has become one of the best centers in the league. Uh, a lot of that has to do with his work as a passer. Uh, he perhaps at this point is the best playmaking big man uh, the game has ever seen. He's just that good of a passer. Like this, along with his 20 point per game scoring, uh, has made him the focal point of the Nuggets offense, I would say. And he is shown to be the main engine of an offense in which a successful team can run. I think one of the underrated things about Jokic is the fact that guys just simply cut harder and they move more with a purpose uh, on offense when they're on the floor with Jokic without the ball because they know Jokic will get them the ball in situations where they may not be expecting. So they know if I cut hard, Nicole Jokic will give me the ball. And so that mentality circulates throughout the offense with guys like Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. Um, and I think that it, that makes the offense better because they, they just work and play with more energy when Jokic has the ball. I think that's an underrated aspect of Jokic's game. 
Defensively, uh, I think Jokic might be a little bit underrated uh, due to the, his frame that he's kind of doughy and like he seems slow and immobile. Uh, and it seems like that would be a defensive liability. And to some extent that that is true. But I think what tends to be overlooked is the fact that Jokic is he's in the right place at the right time. Like his big body just proves to deter guys more often than you would think. And Jokic uh, sports a 107.5 defensive rating in the regular season and the playoffs. So it seems like for the most part, he doesn't get exposed more in the playoffs. But we have a very small sample size of Jokic in the playoffs as of right now. Last year was his first uh, trip to the playoffs. And I think as a playoff defender, forcing him to defend pick and roll can be a problem. And it's probably one of the things that is preventing him from being higher on this list is just you can attack him in pick and roll fairly easily just because of his immobility with his feet. And if you if you go at him enough, you you can't you, you're not going to be able to play him off the floor in the playoffs just because of saw how much value he provides on offense. But I do think that attacking him defensively can become a problem uh, for the Nuggets defense, and I think that's keeping him uh, from being higher on this list. Again, he's number ten in, in all of the NBA, so we're splitting hairs here uh, when we get this high. But I got Nikola Jokic as the number ten player in the NBA. Okay, number nine, Joel Embiid. Embiid could very well be one of the more dominant... Well, he is one of the most dominant forces we have in the game today. Uh, Between him and Giannis, it's kind of up there for who's like the more unstoppable force, I would say. Uh, In today's perimeter-based game, he's one of the few centers left, I think, where you can throw it to him in the post and he will just command a double team. Uh, And you can run an offense around that. He also gets you... About 10 free throws a game, making 80% of those. Uh, in the regular season, you can almost run an offense around that skill. Like I said, you can almost run an offense around just throwing it into the post, having a double team, having him kick it out, and just kind of swing it around for an open shot. In terms of just pure offensive skills, I think Yoke, or I think Embiid lacks very little. Lacks very little skill. His ability to shoot in the mid-range and put the ball on the floor is quite impressive for a 7-footer. His face-up game from anywhere 10 to 18 feet is lethal and just leaves you thinking, how do we guard this guy? Like, he can face up, he can shoot the jumper over me, he can put it on the floor, he can back me down. There's just a lot of versatility to Embiid's game on offense. I think the only thing keeping him out of the top five would probably be a little his efficiency and just having an assist-to-turnover ratio of one. Is a little subpar for me. I think he turns it over a little bit too much. Uh, if he could just learn to take a little bit care of the ball and value possessions a little bit more, I think he would be a little bit higher on this list. But right now he just turns the ball over a little bit too much and doesn't get enough guys involved uh, enough. And that just kind of makes him a little bit uh, one-dimensional when we talk about uh, doing things outside of just pure scoring. Um, but defensively, he's no joke. Like, this is a perennial defensive player of the year candidate. We saw last year he almost won it. The year before, he almost won it. And uh, being a part of uh, one of the two defensive teams every year since he's been in the league is, is nothing to uh, is nothing to scoff over either. So whether it's uh, one-on-one to... Uh, one-on-one defender against other bigs, he's up to the challenge. Yeah, he does defend on switches and holds up, you know, quite well against most. He and he might be the best uh, rim, uh, not I would say best rim defender in the league. That's probably 
Uh, that's probably Rudy Gobert, but might be one of the better help defenders as a big man in the NBA. Just his ability to have awareness, and you just you think twice before going into the paint against Joel. So, number nine best player in the NBA, Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers. Okay, number eight, I got Paul George. So Paul George has you know gotten better uh, throughout uh, his time in the league since that gruesome injury playing for Team USA many years ago. Paul George has got a very unique game. He's got a uh, unique mix of being able to play with the ball in his hands and also being an effective player off the ball. Uh, and I think his bread and butter is coming off those those pin downs on the right side of the floor uh, and getting uh, to his spots in the mid-range. He's just been so effective at that. Last year was the same he had perhaps the best season of his career last year on both sides of the ball, playing at an MVP level for most of the year and a defensive player of the year level as well. Despite how good Paul George is in the regular season, he's often fallen short in the playoffs with, again, another first-round exit in back-to-back years now, falling short to Utah the year before and last year to the Blazers. And... You could say some of the shoulder problems have contributed to that. I would uh, agree with that. But again, we're valuing health uh, into this equation, right? So if you do have shoulder problems in the playoffs, when that comes around, that's going to be an issue for you to perform at the highest level. So his potential value as a wing uh, also helps his ranking here. So just the the fact that you play a position of great value, like we've seen that how many of the last uh, finals MVPs have been wings? Probably like eight eight or nine, like LeBron, Iguodala, KD, uh, probably goes back even further than that. But you can think of how many guys have won finals MVP in recent years that have been wings. And that's no accident. Like that provides extra value and makes you a better player. The fact that you could have more impact on the game because you are a wing uh, is in your favor. Uh, and so guys who fit Paul George's mold are extremely rare in this league in terms of guys who can score 28 a game on one end and provide defensive player of the year value on the other. Um, and that just speaks to, uh, defensively, Paul George is amongst the top wing defenders in the NBA. And, uh, again, an all defensive nod last season. I think he was first team all defense, uh, this year as well. Uh, he takes on the toughest assignment every night. And he also has a knack for getting in the passing lanes and staying disciplined on defense. He was a mainstay in what was a very successful OKC defense last year. And again, the only thing keeping him from being higher is uh, the perennial injuries for Paul George and the fact that he just hasn't proven it in the playoffs. Like, I, I can't put you past number eight if you're only getting, if you can't even get out of the first round uh, of the playoffs. Now, I know it's the Western Conference. I know it's a tough time, but you got to be able to stay healthy, and you have to be able to get out of that first round if you want to be any higher on this list. So despite that, Paul George is the number eight best player in the NBA. Okay, number seven, I got Damian Lillard. Uh, To me, Lillard is the second best point guard in the NBA going into this season, and it's really not that hard to see why, in my opinion. He has one of the most versatile offensive bags in the game. He's loaded with different creation and separation moves uh, that allow him to get to the rim where he finishes very efficiently. He has a great mid-range game as well. But perhaps his most impressive part of his game, in my opinion, is his ability to shoot from limitless range off the catch and off the dribble, very similar to that of Steph Curry. He's a clutch performer. We know this already. 
and his leadership on the Blazers team is second to none, which is why he's continued to lead this team to the playoffs year in and year out, and obviously made his first conference finals this past season. So the thing about Dame Lillard is that that leadership, that ability to galvanize his troops and be able to uh, be, in my opinion, the best leader in the NBA, boosts you up a little bit. And I mean, again, there's nothing to be said about his offensive game. This guy is elite offensively. He's one of the best offensive players we have in this league. And then you combine that with the fact that he is a great leader of men, takes his team into the playoffs, performs in the playoffs at a high level, like that that is one of the most elite skills you have um, I should say combination of skills you have in the NBA to be a leader and to perform in the playoffs is uh, is, is huge here and obviously we saw that, that the 50 points in that closeout game against OKC was phenomenal um, he was he was very good I would say in the Nugget series last year and then in the Warrior series he just wasn't as good he wasn't as good against Golden State. And that's why, again, he could he could be higher, but he's only number seven here. And defensively, he's about average, I'd say. He's about average defensively, I think, at this point. Uh, despite that, it's uh, he's improved from where he was before, which is, I would say, a below-average defender. But he's really picked up his intensity on the ball the past few years. So, Damian Lillard, my number seven best player in the NBA. All right, number six, Anthony Davis. AD is the most versatile big man, big man we have in the game today. I don't really think there's an argument for that. Uh, he is essentially a guard in a big man's body who has a knack for using his size like a big man should. Uh, again, we know that Anthony Davis, uh, as a youngin, was actually a guard. And then he had a massive growth spurt and obviously became a big man at six, was it, 6'11 or something like that. So we know that, um, that he has those guard skills in him uh, from a young age. And that has just made him a better player with his ability to uh, attack off the dribble and things of that nature. So whether he's playing at the 4 or the 5, Davis has shown time and again that offensively he can be a threat rolling to the rim. He can be a threat as a pick and pop or a guy you can throw it to in the post to get a bucket. He has the full offensive package and the only thing holding him back from getting into the top 5 is probably his playmaking skills. um, Which are lacking a little but that doesn't mean he isn't good at it. Or that he really needs it, per se. It's just that when you get this high up the list, you're splitting hairs. So, Anthony Davis, again, just an absolutely versatile big. Can do absolutely everything uh, on offense. And, you know, maybe maybe not just... I think we talked about the fact that his playmaking skills maybe lack a little bit. But all, in addition to that, maybe he just isn't the guy that is just like taking guys off the dribble at 6'10", 6'11". Like a KD, like a Giannis. So that might be the only thing I would say. Again, we're splitting hairs here at number six best player in the NBA. That might be holding him back from getting into the top five. Um, But defensively, AD has been an elite defender in his position for a long time. His ability to be a rim protector and a solid switch defender makes him a defensive player of the year candidate every year. But this past year, I think his defense slipped just a little bit. Uh, And overall in the playoffs, we've kind of yet to see Anthony Davis be a real difference maker impacting winning outside of just in the first round so the jury's still out on Anthony Davis in the playoffs we just need to see a little bit more of him he slipped just a tad from that defensive player of the year level uh that he's uh, been in past years and you know just the playmaking um just not being at the the top of the top level again we're splitting hairs here right but Anthony Davis the number six best player in the NBA all right we're in the top five now all right, at number five, 
I have James Harden. So James Harden, you know, he quite simply the best regular season offensive player in the NBA. And I don't think there's an argument. In the regular season, offensively, there is no better player than James Harden. And I'm definitive with that. Not a damn single player, in my opinion. And with James Harden on your team, your team's floor is 50 wins, which is just ludicrous. You can put anybody around James Harden in the regular season. You could put me shooting on the wing and, like, my dad at center and, like, my mom, like, at the four and we'll, and we'll win 50 games. Like, that is just how good James Harden is. And it's, it's friggin' ridiculous, in my opinion. So... His ability to play in isolation is unlike anything we've ever seen. Uh, he's unguardable in the regular season and continues to defy what a good shot looks like with his multiple step-back variations. He's also a phenomenal pick-and-roll passer, probably the best pocket passer in the league. Uh, his ability to get to the line with crafty moves is unlike anyone, and he's also added a nice little floater in the mid-range uh, to supplement the in-between game. As we know, James Harden... Part of that Houston system, threes, layups, and free throws. That's what they like. And that little floater has been the way that when he gets into the defense and the, the big steps up, he's got that little floater uh, to be used as a weapon. Uh, so the problem come from James Harden comes in the playoffs. And defenses get tighter. The refs swallow the whistle a little bit more on his step back. And the step back seems to regress. Now, I want to dispel the, the narrative that Harden is awful in the playoffs. Harden is not awful in the playoffs, like some think. But he's definitely a shell of himself in the regular season. But the fact is, is like in the regular season, he's MV, he's one or two in MVP voting for like the past like five years. So it's taking a step down from that is not like is is no is nothing to be ashamed of. Like a little bit below MVP level is nothing to be ashamed of. So he's still a very good player in the playoffs, but he's just not his same self that he is in the regular season. So defensively, you know, James Harden is definitely improved, but he's still not a great defender. Like, he was one of the best post defenders in the NBA, and uh, last year he was the top of the league in deflections. But I think what people don't notice, and I mean, go watch James Harden highlights on defense. Like, you'll, you'll start to notice this once you start to watch a little bit more is that Houston's switching system, we know they the switch everything system that Houston provides in part, and not all of it, but in part, is because James Harden just will not get over a screen on defense in the pick and roll. Whenever James Harden is involved in screening action, it's just an auto switch. So sometimes you're going to be stuck with a guy you don't want on a very good player because James Harden just refuses to go get over a screen. And every, every, every time Harden is in pick-and-roll defense, it's just an auto-switch. And that basically limits the defensive upside of the Houston Rockets of being able to say, okay, on these specific players, we're going to go over the screen, conventional pick-and-roll defense, we'll play the drop or whatever they want to play. And on these guys, we'll just switch if it's like a 3-4, like a 2-3, and they can have similar-sized guys. But you can't play that with Harden because he's just going to switch absolutely everything and that limits the defensive upside of the Rockets. So, again, splitting hairs here. We're in the top five, but uh, a couple things are keeping James Harden out of being higher on my list, in my opinion. Uh, the defense is one of them. Uh, the playoff regression is another. But yet, James Harden, the number five best player in the NBA that I would want to have going into next season. All right, number four. Number four, I have Steph Curry. So, Dave Dufour had an awesome tweet a long time ago that really defies Steph Curry to me. And the tweet says, 
Steph Curry is a system player, like as a, like he's a system player. Nah, Steph Curry is a system player. A play on the Jay Z quote of "I'm not a businessman, I'm a businessman." Like that is Steph Curry. He is Steph Curry is a complete offensive system on his own, and some people don't really realize it. So when when Steph Curry is on the ball, he has an incredible, incredibly shifty handle, maybe the second best in the league behind Kyrie Irving, and that allows him to get to any spot on the floor, including spots from three, spots from mid range where he can finish in a variety of ways, including all the way to the rim, which he's better than most people think. He's a fantastic pick and roll passer, but obviously the things that make him great are is being a shooter. And he can shoot the ball off the dribble. If you switch your big on to Steph Curry, that's that's barbecue chicken for him. Uh, he, he's an awesome catch-and-shoot shooter. And the thing that makes him a system, as opposed to just being a good on-the-ball player, the thing that makes Steph Curry a system is his off-the-ball movement. His ability to run around screens basically on the same level as J.J. Redick. That's what makes him so great, is that his work as a shooter off the catch-and-shoot you know, off the dribble and moving off the ball. The off the ball stuff is what makes him this system that I talk about. And his gravity, we talk about Curry gravity, that's a real thing. His ability, he has a, the ability to navigate navigate screens. He draws extra attention, which basically uses that attention to either make the extra pass when two guys fly at him, or when two guys fly at him after screen, the guy holding the ball at the top of the key can just find the guy who uh, is setting the screen for Steph off the ball and just have him slip and get an easy layup. Uh, and whether it's off the ball or on the on the ball, Steph Curry is a system. And his ability to get guys open shots just by running and not even having the ball and the, just his gravity is tremendous. And it's unlike anything uh, anybody in the league can provide. So defensively, I'd say Steph Curry is an average defender. Uh, off the ball, he's good at staying alert and you know not getting beat back door and things of that nature. On the ball, I think he's solid at guarding the opposing uh, guarding opposing guards and keeping them in front of him. His downfall becomes where he gets a little bit handsy. You know, he plays with his hands maybe a little too much, and he, get, he starts getting in foul trouble. And the Curry fouls come in bunches. He gets one, he gets two, he gets three, and all of a sudden he's sitting on the bench for longer than you would like. Um, and so. The last thing I'll say is playoff Steph Curry is still a very good player. He does have his off nights, for sure, just like everybody else. But also, in my opinion, has shown that he's still spectacular in moments uh, and just be the same as his regular season self. For example, in the Raptors series, Game 3 with no Klay Thompson, he drops 47. Uh, as a, That's a great example of his... Uh, and another great example is his destruction of Portland. In the conference finals, where he dropped 30 plus in every game that series, he was fantastic in that series, and so we can still see that Steph Curry can be a fantastic playoff the playoff performer. He's you know just average defensively, we know that, but again, his the fact his gravity is just an entire system in his, in itself, and uh, I think we can't ignore that. So number four best player going into next season, the 2019-2020 season, is Golden State Warriors guard Steph Curry. Number three, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So Giannis is probably the best example of you know what's coming, but can you stop it in the league? It's it's kind of like you know a pitcher like an, an elite pitcher's fastball. Like you know the fastball's coming. Okay, can you hit it? Can you hit it? Like or in the NFL where it's fourth and one, we're gonna we're gonna run the ball with our offensive line and our star running back. Okay, 
You know we're going to run it, but can you stop it? And Giannis kind of embodies that version of, of that, you know, kind of thought in the NBA. He's so long. He's so strong. He's simply just, that he's simply just unstoppable once he gets ahead of steam going to the rim. It's, it's unlike anything we've ever seen. He's probably the best in the NBA at using his length to his advantage in all of his moves. He's a primary ball handler. And but you just he can't shoot the three very well. We know that. But just consider how unstoppable he is. Un, uh, consider how unstoppable he is inside the arc without having a reliable jump shot from outside the arc or really from anything outside of we'll say like 17 feet. Like you know he's not going to shoot, so you just sag back and stop him from going to the rim, right? Like you know you know what's coming. Yeah, good luck with that. Like that's what everyone everyone knows the book on Giannis, and they still can't stop him. So. Once he gets a jump shot, it's it's game over. Like, it's absolutely game over for this man because you can't even stop him without a jump shot. How are you going to stop him with a jump shot? It's unbelievable. And in addition to his drive game, he's got a little post-up game as well. And he, and he is great with the ball in his hands as a passer out of double teams and finding shooters when he drives and collapses the defense uh, going to the rim. And the Bucks have obviously surrounded him with great shooters to be able to facilitate that. You know, defensively, he's one of the most versatile defenders we have in the entire NBA. I mean, he's got, he's comfortable guarding all five positions, one through five. And although I thought Rudy Gobert was going to win Defensive Player of the Year, I thought Giannis should have won it. So I, th- I thought Rudy was going to win it, but I thought Giannis should have won it. Like, Giannis can be a rim protector. He can be a switch defender He who can slide his feet. And, uh, and even if he gets beat off the dribble, his length is so long that it allows him to recover for big blocks and stuff like that. And passing with him in the vicinity is just a damn adventure because of his ability to get deflections and then go out and transition and take, like, three steps from half court and he's dunking at the rim. Like, it's just it's completely unstoppable. He took his team to the conference finals last year and nearly took his team to the finals also. So he's still a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs as he is in the regular season. And that's why I have Giannis Antetokounmpo, my number three player going into next season. And if he gets a jump shot, I promise you, if he gets a reliable jump shot where you have to actually respect him from three and from mid-range, he's going to jump up to one next season. I promise you. But for now, I've got him at number three going into next season. At number two... We have Kawhi Leonard. So after coming back from that quad injury, where most people thought he wouldn't be the same player, Kawhi Leonard came back and had a career year in both the regular season and the playoffs, and probably had the best year of his career, in my opinion, with the Toronto Raptors. Kawhi is a silent assassin. He has the complete and refined offensive game in every which way and aspect. His, he has just unbelievable strength that allows him to get to the rim with ease. He has phenomenal balance, which allows him to get into a variety of mid-range shots, sorry, mid-range shots, which he knocks down at a ridiculous clip. He's got pull-ups, he's got step-backs, he's got crossovers, he's got all variety of separation moves, and his ability to rise up over the defense at 6-7 on post-ups, on off-the-dribble moves, any way you want it, Kawhi can give it to you on offense. It's unbelievable. And there's no defense for what he does. There's nobody that's going to guard him. He's un, he's an un, unguardable player because of his ability to take you to the rim, shoot off the dribble, shoot from three, off the catch and shoot off the dribble. It's unbelievable with this guy. 
and he's one of the top two mid-range shooters in the entire NBA. I'd probably put KD at number one. Um, he also shoots the three with great versatility, just like uh, he does with the mid-range shot. And Kawhi Leonard is just one of the best offensive players in the NBA. Like, I just don't know how else to explain it to you. His strength, his you, it's incredibly hard to knock him off balance. He shoots off-balance shots. He just, he's he's got it from everywhere. It's unbelievable. Defensively, nothing needs to be said. Two-time Defensive Player of the Year, and even though his defense has slipped just a tad from the all-time great defensive player that he was, he's still a top-three defender in the NBA, in my opinion. And then once he guarded Giannis in Game 3 in that uh, Raptors-Bucks series in the Conference Finals, Kawhi led the Raptors on both ends to four straight wins over that 60-win Bucks team. So and it's no coincidence that once we uh, the Toronto I say we because I'm a Raptors fan uh, put once uh, the Raptors put Kawhi on Giannis it's no coincidence that that's when the series turned around for the Toronto Raptors and so last playoffs with the Raptors Kawhi put up an all-time great performance throughout the playoffs in the likes of Michael Jordan and LeBron James who. What he did was truly spectacular against the Sixers. We saw 45 points in Game 1 and then that incredible shot in Game 2. Or sorry, in Game, uh, in game 7 to close it out. Against the Bucks, especially in Game 6 where he took them back from like 17 down in the third, in the third quarter. Uh, and against the Warriors where he was incredible in that series as well. And he was the MVP of the entire playoffs last year and obviously a finals MVP as well. So the thing about Kawhi and why he's number two is that he's even better in the playoffs than he is in the regular season. I repeat, he's better when he gets to the playoffs. He's better when it matters. He's better when defenses load up on him and they have a game plan to, to stop Kawhi Leonard. He gets better. And he's probably one of the only players on all this list that you can say that about where he gets better when it matters most than he does in the regular season just to get you there. And so Kawhi Leonard is number two uh, on my players going into next season if I want to win a championship. And speaking of guys who get better in the playoffs when it matters most, number one to me is still LeBron James. No matter what happened last year after the injury, LeBron James, to me, is still the number one player I would want on my team if the goal is to win a championship in the 2019-2020 season. So prior to last year, before LeBron missed the playoffs last year, and that's probably why most people won't have him at number one going into the season. That combined with the fact that he's 35 years old, and I get it, but just hear me out. The last time LeBron wasn't in the playoffs, listen to what the world sounded like. The best-selling phone the last time LeBron missed the playoffs in 2005, I believe, was a Nokia 1110. There was no Twitter or Instagram at that time. And the best and the most popular song was We Belong Together by Mariah Carey. That's what the world looked like when the last time LeBron James missed the playoffs prior to last year. And... We're not even, and we say that even before we get to the fact that he's led, he's been the best player on his team in eight straight finals appearances before last year. Eight consecutive finals appearances. Again, I'm basing this list on who I would want as the guy if I'm trying to win a championship next year. What better than a guy who has taken his team to eight straight finals finals almost a decade 
almost a decade worth of NBA Finals. Like, it's got to be LeBron James. Like, there's nothing that needs to be said about his game. It does not need to be dissected. He's still a 25-point-per-game scorer. He's still the best passer in the NBA. He can still rebound the ball at a high level. And in the playoffs, he takes everything up a notch. If you recall in 2017, where he dragged that Cleveland team kicking, dragged that Cleveland team kicking and screaming, he was phenomenal, unbelievable. Against that Pacers team, against the Pacers where he took that seven, uh, where they took the, the Cleveland Cavaliers seven, he was phenomenal. Uh, I believe it was the Raptors uh, that he went in the second round, annihilated them. And hit so many clutch shots against, uh, well, he first of all, he hit a game winner against the Pacers in the first round. He hit a game winner against the Raptors in the second round. He demolished, even though that series went seven, he was phenomenal against the Celtics in the third round in 2017. And although he lost the series against, you know, uh, one of the best teams ever constructed in that 2017 Golden State Warriors... He was completely insane in that in that series as well. So I just don't I just don't know what more you can ask for uh, from a guy like LeBron James. He's just he's just phenomenal. He's he's just phenomenal, and I uh, I, I wouldn't ask for anything more. I, I'm sorry. I think it was 2018 that I'm thinking about the 2018 uh, finals where he was uh, he he was he last had that just spectacular spectacular performance. One of the all time great playoff performances in that year. In fact, this is the only guy I'm going to bring up the numbers for, but let me just bring up the numbers for LeBron in that playoffs the last time he was there. Okay, LeBron in the 2017-2018 playoffs. He played 42 minutes a night, averaged 34 points per game, uh, taking 23 shots a game, 54% from the field. He was 34% from three, averaged 5.2 attempts per game. He averaged nine rebounds a game, nine assists per game, four turnovers. When you and when you'll see the usage, you'll see why he had four turnovers a game. One point four steals a game, a block a game. He w- he had sixty two percent true shooting on thirty four usage. Are you kidding me? Uh, again, that that team had nobody. That team had absolutely nobody. There was no Kyrie on that team. Kevin Love was still still there, sure, but the team that he was dragging guys like you know like Jeff Green, Jeff Green was being dragged along for the ride, and you know a bunch of other players, Jose Calderon, Jordan Clarkson, Jeff Green, George Hill, Rodney Hood, Kyle Korver, Kevin Love, Larry Nance, Chetty Osmond, Kendrick Perkins, J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson, Okara White, Ante Zizic. That was his roster to go up against. That was his roster to go up against the Warriors and obviously great teams in the Pacers with Oladipo, who was second team All NBA. You had the Raptors, who were still a good team, but obviously were no match for the LeBron James led Cavs. The Celtics, that was the Kyrie list Celtics, but still uh, a very good Celtics team that had come together. And, uh, and he only lost that Warriors team. So uh, I'm, I'm going on a little far here, but. Again, LeBron James is still the guy you want in the playoffs when it matters most. And let's get to defensively. Like in the in this in the regular season, defensively, he's just not the same player he was anymore. In the regular season, in the regular season, uh, he has for a long time. This has not been recent. For a long time, LeBron's been coasting and saving his energy for the playoffs. But in the playoffs, 
He's a much more engaged defensively, much more engaged defender, has a mu- and is much closer to that first-team All-NBA level that he's been a number of times in his career. Now, he's not a first-team All-NBA, for sorry, first-team All-Defense def- uh, defender anymore. He's not that guy anymore, uh, to be clear. But in the playoffs, he's much closer to that guy on both ends of the floor uh, when it matters most. And... The thing about LeBron is he's, he's one of the better leaders. Again, uh, he, he simply makes players around him better. He he does everything that is necessary to take a team to the finals and win a championship. And we've seen that through the eight straight finals before last year that he was able to take his team. So the, the one guy that I would want to this day, if I'm trying to win a championship this coming season, is LeBron James. And the Lakers do have a solid chance to win a championship. So... Uh, if that prediction does come true and the Lakers win, well, I'll feel even better about having LeBron as my best player on the planet. So that wraps wraps up the list, but let's talk about Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant undoubtedly is on this list. Kevin Durant undoubtedly is in the top five, but Kevin Durant also is coming back from a torn Achilles. He's not going to play most likely this season. And so, you know, it would not make any sense for me to have him on my team if the goal was to win a championship this year. Um, obviously, he's not going to play, right? Makes sense. So, if Kevin Durant didn't get hurt and he didn't tear his Achilles and he's coming back this year healthy, where would he be on this list? Uh, that's a tough. That's a tough one. I don't know whether I would put him ahead of Kawhi or behind Kawhi Leonard. And I say that just because of how great Kawhi has been uh, in the playoffs and just the fact that he's a little bit better than KD defensively. But I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say if KD was healthy, I would have KD as the second best player that I would want on my team if my goal was to win an NBA championship. Um, you know, nothing needs to be said about Kevin Durant. He's a walking 30, he's a walking 30 points per game. He's 6'11". He, he's the best mid-range shooter in the NBA. He can take you off the dribble. There's nobody that can guard him. You're either too you're either too slow or too small. And the man is just completely unstoppable when it comes to playing offense. And on defense, he's an underrated defender. The, I mean, the guy, when he wants to lock you up, he can lock you up. He's super long. 7'6 wingspan. Can move his feet laterally. Is engaged. Like, has, has that killer mentality when it comes to the playoffs. And so... Kevin Durant, I would say, is probably the number two guy I would have on my list if he was healthy. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is he's not. So, so there you have it. That's my top 12, I guess, if you include KD and Kyrie. That's my top 12 players in the NBA that I would have or that I would want on my team if the goal was to win a championship in the 2019-2020 regular season for the regular season and the postseason. So let's go through the list one more time. At number 11, I have Kyrie Irving. At number 10, I have Nikola Jokic. At, At number 9, I have Joel Embiid. At number 8, I have Paul George. At number 7, I have Damian Lillard. At number 6, I have Anthony Davis. At number five, I have James Harden. At number four, I have Steph Curry. At number three, I have Giannis Antetokounmpo. At number two, I have Kawhi Leonard. And at number one, I have LeBron James. And if KD was healthy, you can bump everybody down a spot after LeBron James. So that means 
you know, KD would be two, Kawhi would be three, Giannis would be four, Curry would be five, Harden would be six, Davis would be seven, Lillard would be eight, George would be nine, Embiid would be ten, Jokic would be eleven, and Kyrie would be twelve. And that's the order if KD was healthy, but that's not the reality. So thank you very much for sticking with me throughout this unnecessary hiatus that I have taken. I promise you there will not be another two-month hiatus like there was uh, this time. I'll be back with a couple more episodes before the season starts on October 22nd. We've got a very exciting uh, slate to start. That includes Raptors, Pelicans, and Lakers, Clippers. I think the next couple podcasts I'll do is number one, I'm going to do my five most, uh, my five best league pass teams to watch this year. And the second one, I'm up in the air. I got a couple topics in mind, but you can for sure expect one that says, uh, sorry, for sure expect a podcast around my five best league pass teams, uh, in this, uh, in this season. That's not who's going to be the five best teams. That's just going to be who I think is going to be the most exciting to watch. Uh, and I think of Pelicans, Raptors, Lakers, Clippers, you can expect at least one of those teams to be on that top five list. So there's your teaser. So thanks so much for listening. Be on the lookout for more episodes and stick with me through what should be an incredibly exciting 2019-2020 NBA season. We'll talk soon.